Torch Trust, Sight Loss 101, in conversation with Hazel Groves. Hello and welcome to this episode of Sight Loss 101. I'm Tim Jeffrey, and after many years working as a leader in the charity sector, I've recently started working for Torch Trust, a Christian charity for blind and partially sighted people. So here I am, a sighted person with very little personal experience of sight loss, leading a charity whose main purpose is focused entirely on people with visual impairment. So one of my first tasks has to be to develop a better appreciation of what it's like to be blind or or to be living with sight loss. And what better way to do that than to have conversations with a variety of people with different experiences of visual impairment. Now, as all this is happening during lockdown, I can't actually get out to meet people face to face, so I'm having to do it remotely. And I suspect that I'm not the only one who wants to learn more about what life is like with a visual impairment. So we thought it would be a good idea to record these conversations and put them out as a podcast series. I hope you enjoy it. So today I have the joy of speaking with Hazel Groves. Hazel, it's lovely to have you with us. Um, I wonder if you could tell me, um, when did your first realization of, of sight loss begin? I, I understand that you had, um, had sight loss right from a baby. Yeah, that's absolutely right, um, Tim. So sight loss is almost the norm in our family. Um, so I had um, childhood congenital cataracts. So most people assume that cataracts um, only affect um, people of a more mature age, shall we yeah. say. Yeah. Um, but um, in our family, um, due to a, a genetic condition, um, we have them as babies. So um, I've never known a time when I've not had um, my vision impacted. So um, I, was a, I was a baby. I don't remember this part. Um, but um, um, so I was very shortly after I was born, my vision was completely um, obscured by the cataracts. Um, if I'd not had surgery, um, which I had between sort of nine and 12 months old, I would not be able to see at all, anything at all. So yeah. um, they, they removed the cataracts, even in young children. And, um, but that, that means because you've not been able to see during those first few months of your life when your, your brain is learning to see, um, it's a combination of your, your brain not knowing how to see properly, but also the, um, the dam- the, the, in those days, the, the damage caused to I as a result of the surgery. So it's a bit of a, a double whammy, really. Yeah. So, so how then did that progress as you grew up? What was your experience through childhood and teenagehood? So as a, a child, even from being two, three years old, um, I used to wear contact lenses. Um, because I had no natural lens in my eye that was removed as part of the surgery they don't do it that way now but that's how they did it in in those days Um, so I had either had milk bottle glasses or contact lenses um, but even with with those glasses or lenses I still couldn't see more than two or three lines down the chart Um, when I so that carried on um, but um, when I was sort of eight nine years old Um, I grew intolerant to the contact lens wear. I couldn't wear the contact lenses anymore. Um, so then I had artificial lenses implanted with more surgery. Okay. It was quite uncommon at that time to have 
children. I was only nine years old when I had that surgery. Um, it was very unusual. He, um, even now, there's some debate as to whether lens implants should be um, implanted in children because you're still growing. Yeah. Um, and so I had those lenses then. Um, unfortunately for me, um, when I had one of those, they do, do the each eye separately. Um, during one of those surgeries, I had a, a post-op infection and ended up losing quite a lot of vision. Um, it was what the eye that I could see two or three lines down the chart in. I then couldn't see any letters on the chart with that eye following that that surgery. Unfortunately, is a, a post-op complication. But after that, my vision was pretty stable. Um, you know, um, managed with. I was in a mainstream school up until sixteen. Um, with additional support. Um, what, was that, what, what sort of stuff was helpful to you? Um, so you, I was taught, I, I always say the best thing I ever learned at school was touch typing. Yeah. Um, that was absolutely great. I was able to use that in my exams um, mm. and um, had large print material, um, a laptop, of course, um, and also one-to-one um, -one support, particularly for those practical lessons. Funnily enough, the thought I was a bit of a hazard with a, a saw <laughs> or a soldering iron <laughs> in DT. But, um, so yeah, so my sight then remained, remained stable up until about sort of four or five years ago when um, one of those lens implants started to, to degrade mm. um, and was causing a lot of pain because it had dislocated. Mm. Um, so they removed that and replaced it. And again, the problem is, Tim, the more surgery you have, you know, it's a very delicate organ, the eye. Yeah. Um, the more surgery you have, the more chance of of causing more damage. So I've got a lot of scarring that, you know, there's just nothing they can do at the moment um, to correct that. So um, over the last sort of two or three years, I have noticed a deterioration in my vision and um, I am registered sort of severely sight impaired now. Right. But you just get on. You just get on with it. It's. I think because it's been for me. It's been. It's not been a sudden. A sudden loss of sight. It's been a. a it's been, the norm because I grew up with limited sight, and then as it has deteriorated over the last few years, it's been slow. So yeah. you you just adapt and and learn to do new things in in each stage really. Yeah. So so help me understand what what do you see now? I mean, you talk about the sort of levels on the charts. So I'm thinking about the opticians and the kind of big letters at the top. Yeah. What what what? How much do you see now? Help me on, give me some idea of of you know if I was looking through your eyes, what what I'd be experiencing. Um. So so now um I I see the the biggest letter on a good day. Um, with my better eye. Um, your, your vision ca can fluctuate during the day as well, particularly if you had a lot of screen time, as we all have um, lately. Um, I'm, I'm looking at you on the, the tablet right now. <laughs> um, but um, I always say, uh, yeah, you're like this, Tim. I always say it's a blessing, actually, because um, everybody looks 25 because you can't see the wrinkles. <laughs> That's good. And so you, so now you're looking at a tablet um, and, and... I mean, I can see that, you know, obviously the thing is as well, Tim, you know what things look like. Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, so obviously you're a person. I know you're a person. I know what a person looks like. I can yeah. see, so looking at the screen now, I can see that there's a head because I know it's a head. Yeah. Um, I can't see whether, I can't see the colour of your eyes. I can't see whether you're wearing glasses or if you've got a beard, you're just a, a, a flesh-coloured, blob on a white shirt 
So, you know. <laughs> um, thank you. That, that is really useful to know, actually, because um, uh, the, the first podcast I did was with Mike Townsend, and I just had a little goatee beard. But a week later, I've got a fuller beard at the moment because I haven't shaved <laughs> during lockdown. So <laughs> you're spared for the, you're spared that. Um, um, so, so what are the sort of frustrations, challenges that your sight loss brings up for you? Okay, so one of the one of the difficulties, Tim, is actually is actually the, the problem is is that everybody who experiences sight loss experiences is it differently with different levels. Yeah. And actually, for me personally, the biggest amount of discrimination I've faced actually in my life has been from other people who are visually impaired. Mm. Um, I, as, um, so as I said to you before, I went to a, a normal uh, mainstream secondary school um, and where I was the only visually impaired student in my year group. And don't get me wrong, Tim, that had its own challenges. You know? um, but um, I then went to the College for the Blind in Worcester and then found myself as being one of the more sighted students. Right. And actually there was quite, uh, uh, it was almost, you know, you, you were a total or you, were, you weren't, and you, you, were all, you were equally as excluded because actually you had a bit of usable sight. And then um, going further on, um, becoming, a, becoming a mum myself, uh, I got involved with some groups for visually impaired parents. And again, there was quite a distinction between you know, those of us who had a bit of usable sight and, and made the most of what we had and mm. the ladies who had little to, to no, no sight, really it was actually quite difficult actually and you'd think it wouldn't be, wouldn't you? You'd think we'd all be in the same boat but actually that's actually been quite challenging. That's really interesting to hear. Yeah, thank you for that. And, and um, Hazel, on the sort of the other side of that coin, are there particular gifts that you find that your sight loss has brought you or things you can identify you think yeah actually that's been a in some in some kind of way a positive about about my condition well i have to say tim that the big advantage is um, you never have to be the designated driver <laughs> uh, but seriously though i think because you um because you do experience a challenge in in your life you know, that actually, I think it, it makes you um, more empathetic to, 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 to people who are experiencing all kinds of um, different um, um, difficulties in their life. Um, I worked for a while um, as a, a paralegal, and a lot of that work was, um, I attended court hearings where a barrister was representing um, clients, quite often parents who were in care proceedings. So, you know, the most difficult situation for anybody to go through and part of my job was to take the notes for the barrister, get their coffee, but also to be there to support those those families who were going through um, that difficult time. And although I couldn't relate to it, their experiences on some levels, I felt that the difficulties that I'd faced in life, yeah. actually, it, I, I feel it makes me less judgmental and, you know, more willing to just you know you just had to you just it was part of the job was to support them no matter whether you agreed with what they'd, they'd done or, or not yeah thank you that is fascinating uh, are, there, are there things that a, a sighted person like me um that you'd want me to be aware of in terms of the language i use or 
the, the way I act or, or, or anything. What, what sort of some of the things that, that sighted people do that you'd like to warn me off? You know what, Tim, use whatever language you like. I really don't care. <laughs> I know some people get hung up about, you know, um, you're blind or, or, or have you, have, did you watch EastEnders? I don't watch EastEnders at all, by the way. But, um, you know, I'm really not bothered about any of that language stuff at all. But um, I think the thing that is probably the most difficult thing for, for sighted people to understand is, as I've kind of alluded to a bit already, that um, um, each person with sight loss will undoubtedly see and experience things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, be, just because I'm registered blind, you know, um, you, you've interviewed Mike, Mike's registered blind as well, but what I can see and what Mike can see are, are, are totally um, different um, different things. Yeah. Um, just, you know, be prepared to, to ask the person how you can help them and not assume. I, I love that bible passage and um, when jesus you know asks the blind man what can i do for you what, what would you what do you want me to do um that empowering us to take you know to take the lead in and what we need i think would be the biggest piece of advice i would give that is so helpful thank you and beautifully put um you, you mentioned that bible passage i was going to ask you how I know that you know you're a Christian, you have a strong faith. How have you reconciled your faith with with your sight loss? Um, it's been a challenge, Tim. I will not don't don't deny that for one bit. So I only came to faith in my thirties. Um, my my sister, um, who is also um, blind as well, she's a, she's a vicar. She's a Church of England minister yeah. and found faith quite early on in her life. Um, for me. I would say <laughs> the Lord brought me in kicking and screaming. <laughs> How did he manage to do that? What, what, um, what happened? So as a teenager for me, um, it was a really difficult time. As I said, being in the mainstream school and at a special school and never really feeling like I belonged in, in either environment. Mm. Um, and then I got married, um, was working, started to have children, you know, everything was okay and I, I kind of I'd gone from thinking God just wasn't interested in my life didn't care about the struggles I was facing to God being remote and not really of any you know not really interested in me and just didn't really think about it to be honest um, then my youngest son was born um, and Andrew has the same eye condition as me mm. um, obviously that was quite traumatic mm. um, I, it was my turn to sit with him in the operating theatre while I put him to sleep for his, his surgery that he needed. He was 16 weeks old when he had his first eye operation and he had four before he was a year old. So, um, but, you know, I got through it. Um, still didn't think to turn to the Lord at that, that point. Um, and then my oldest son, a few years later, was getting ready to start school. Okay, so we looked around all the local schools um, I live in Kent now, but you might be able to tell from the accent. I've not always lived in Kent. Um, <coughs> and I so looked around the local schools, and it was a local Church of England school that really impressed us. Um, the caring and the compassion. And I, when I was looking for a school for my oldest son, I had in the back of my mind the fact that his brother would be starting school. And at that point, we didn't know how good Andrew's vision was going to be. So it was looking on the school that would support both my children going forward 
and the headmistress was absolutely lovely and um, it was a heavily oversubscribed school but she got us in on the special circumstances criteria so we got a place and I was just so grateful and so thankful that you know that we'd got that and so I thought it might be nice to take my son to Sunday school every now and then because you know we've been so blessed with having that school place. Um, the local CV church is pretty much an elderly congregation um, but I was going to a Friday toddler group um, at the church I now attend. It's a, a um, apostolic church in Dover and um, one of the other mums there said well why don't you come here because um, at that point the church had about 80 kids in their Sunday school from sort of 0 to 13 so quite a lot of children so so I did um, and um, I started going to that church feeling quite apprehensive uh, I won't lie um, but on the first you'll like this Tim on the first day okay the first time I went to that church um, the worship leader at the time who I'm now really good friends with um, he played Matt Redmond's You Never Let Go, you know, the one based on Psalm 23. Yeah. And I thought, wow, that's a side of God I've never experienced before. Um, and um, wanted to know more. And it, it took a good few months, but um, I gave my life to the Lord at that church and have been baptised there. And my oldest son was baptised just over a year ago at that church as well. And we're still there. So Probably. it's been it definitely been a journey and yeah. um you know there are there's still aspects of scripture that i find difficult yeah um the bible uses a lot of analogy about you know the eyes being the window to the soul and yeah. um, sight and that has actually been quite a challenge for me and yeah. um, personally your head knows it's an analogy tim mm. you know that you know it's it's not specifically put to put down blind people but you know, sometimes it can, can feel that way if the if the person who's preaching it, you know, is, is not yeah. aware that maybe there could be blind people in the congregation. And I think that's one of the good things Torch does with the Sight Loss Friendly Church programme of, you know, explaining, just raising, raising the awareness um, of churches about what's going on with their, potentially with their congregation and how actually some of these messages can impact people yeah that's fascinating and so what what difference would you say being a christian now has made to your life oh absolutely amazing oh. <laughs> uh i feel you know honestly tim i i just think why didn't i do this you know so many years before <laughs> um I, I just feel so much more comfortable in who i am and um uh, I'm really well supported by my church. In fact, the, the lead pastor has he's got me on the Churches Together Committee now um, as their secretary because that's what I do for a job um, for schools. So, um, you know, they, they've, they've never, I've never felt, you know, I say apart from the odd sermon that might be a little bit raw, you know, um, otherwise I felt really supported and, and included. Wow. Hazel, thank you. It's been such a pleasure to hear um, your story and, and some of your experiences. So thank you for, for making this time to talk with me. And I, I hope it doesn't just bless me, but it blesses lots of people who listen to this. So thank you so much. No problem at all. My pleasure, Tim. God bless.
Thank you for joining us in Sight Loss 101. For more information on Torch, call 01858 438 260.